Good morning, Harvest, and happy Mother's Day. It is a joy to be with you this morning. If y'all want to head towards Luke 18, that's where we will be uh, this morning as we continue in our series of Investigating Jesus. I um, love Mother's Day probably because I love my mama. She's a good one, and um, you know, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for her. But uh, that's true in more ways than you guys know. Um, I remember being uh, on the ranch as a young teen uh, out in Texas, and somehow I uh, fired off a 22 rifle inside the house and um, shot a hole in our ceiling, roof, the whole deal, and I'm pretty sure my granddad was going to kill me, and my mom intervened. Another time, I remember being a 16-year-old, just uh, fresh out of driving school, and I totaled my dad's Ford Aerostar. 1994, summer of 94, and I mean, I did it good, and uh, dad would have killed me had it not been for mom, reminding him that we're glad Kenan's still alive. Let's look at the bright side. Uh, I remember one time having a competition with my older sister, seeing how many steps we could jump off of and survive, I guess was the game. I'm not sure where we were going with that, Um, but I jumped off the entire flight of steps, and I landed it momentarily. I had to land it for it to count. And momentarily I landed it, but the momentum launched me forward right into the corner of a wall and just split my head like in half. And uh, mom walked in the door just the right time, found me covered in blood, rushed me to the hospital. They saved me just before I bled out. So um, yet again, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for mom. But you know, physically, mom has saved my life many times. But I think spiritually, just love my mom's story, love how as a... Um, young married, and me as a young child, she uh, uh, puts her faith and trust in Jesus, being raised Jewish and her entire family being Jewish, and just the, the seismic shift of our entire family heritage and legacy because of her courage to step out and trust Jesus. And so still this day, she is one of my absolute all-time spiritual heroes. I've watched her for my entire life trust Jesus in light of very tough times and difficult circumstances. And so I love Mother's Day where we just get to honor folks like my mom and, uh, and certainly my wife. I feel like I've got the best two moms in the world right here. And uh, I'm sure a lot of us feel that way with, uh, with my mom and my wife, who's an unbelievable mother to our boys. And so I do just want to reiterate, and maybe we could just give a hand. I think we all want to celebrate those gifts of the mothers that God has given us. Let's celebrate. And let me pray towards that end. Father, just so blessed um, by the mother that you gave me, so blessed to be married to Catherine, watch her as a mother to these boys, just, just, just seeing afresh every day the beauty of a mother, that a mother will so lay her life down for her children, and it's a picture of your love for us. And Lord, I don't know that we get pictures much stronger than that, the way that our moms knew even the deepest, darkest junk in our lives, and they're still there, they still love us. It's just such a great picture of how you love us. And so we thank you for moms. And Lord, I also know there are, there are um, quite a few couples in our body who, um, uh, where, the, where, where they long to have children and, and a gal longs to be a mother and you haven't uh, provided that yet. And so I pray for those couples on this day, which can sometimes be difficult. I just pray that you would open those wombs, that you would give those women and those couples the desire of their heart. I pray for that. Lord, I know some have lost a mother, even recently. Some mothers have lost a children, and likewise, this can be a tough day. And, uh, and so, Lord, I just pray for healing on this day for those that are in those trenches of feeling a little extra twinge of pain or despair on what is otherwise such a happy day. And so, 
Lord, there's so many things going on that are just beyond our control, and yet you are sovereign over them. And so we must learn even more to trust you with those things that we cannot control. We trust you, and we lean into your presence and ask that you would satisfy all of us. Lord, even you had a mother, and, uh, and as you hung on the cross, you made sure that she would be taken care of. And so we pray for all of the mothers in this room, our own mothers and those we were married to as mothers, that your care and provision would be on their lives. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in a, just a really fun section of Scripture, I think. I love watching Jesus teach in these parables, Luke chapter 10 um, to Luke 19. You guys might remember last spring, so that was 2014, we did the, the kind of the... the uh, childhood and early ministry years of Jesus in Luke 4 through 9. Then this spring, we've been in 10 through 19, the teachings of Jesus. And then next spring, looking ahead, we will, we will do the Passion Week. We will, we will talk about the Passion of Jesus. So we're kind of taking three springs to split up the Gospel of Luke so we didn't just plunge into it for years at a time. So I, so I kind of like our rhythm. But this is a fun section, and we're nearing the end here. We've, we've just got, uh, really, next week, we're going to finish this, this chunk up in Luke 19 when we get to that last parable, the parable of the Ten Minus. But today, uh, we have a, just a, a brief little eight-verse section of Scripture in Luke 18 that I think is like a powerhouse. I think it is this incredible um, beacon of truth and foundational understanding of the truth of the gospel. And it's not actually a parable. So every week we've been teaching the parables. This one's not. But I just could not bring it within me. To, uh, to not camp out in this text this morning. So understand, uh, we're between parables. We're between the uh, Pharisee and the tax collector, and we're between the, um, uh, the ten minus, but in between we have Jesus traveling towards Jerusalem, as JB explained last week, started up in Galilee, went through Samaria. He's traveled virtually the entire promised land. He's now entering Jericho. Just know that Jericho's 15 miles from Jerusalem. Like, he's a day away. Matter of fact, we're going to turn the corner next chapter, and it's going to be Luke 19 is the triumphal entry. He's going to be heading into town uh, for the last week of his life. And so, so this is just that point in the, in the narrative of Jesus' life and ministry. He is heading towards Jerusalem, and he's getting close, and there's something that happens. So not a parable he tells, an actual story he happens that I think is riveting. And so if you guys could, could you stand with me to your feet, and, let, and I'm going to read this, and let's stand and honor God's word this morning. Luke 18, 35 through 43. He is Jesus here. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God is the word of God for the people of God, and the people of God said, praise be to God. Have a seat. Father, I, I ask that in this short time, in this short passage of scripture, you would speak, that we would hear your voice, that you speak into our minds, into our hearts, the truth of your word, that you let us see what you would have for us this morning. Let us understand what it is to really have a relationship with you that transforms our lives, that brings us that hope and that peace and that purpose 
and that meaning that we all long for. Let us find it in you this morning. Lord, I must decrease, you must increase during this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. So this passage is, uh, wow, it is an amazing passage. And it starts with Jesus drawing near to Jericho. So again, he's on this journey, he's finished his Galilean tour, he's on his way to Jerusalem. And on his way to Jericho, we're told in detail, there's a blind man that's sitting by the roadside and he's begging. And by the way, this story's uh, in all three synoptic gospels. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, and it's in Luke. And so we get, you know, little different details in each one. We get from Mark that this beggar has a name. We know his name. His name is Bartimaeus. So some of you guys may have heard of blind Bartimaeus. Well, this is him. Uh, no doubt about it, this is him. And he's blind Bartimaeus. He's the son of Timaeus, it tells us in Mark. So he's this blind beggar that's camped out outside of Jericho. And, uh, and, and we get the idea just uh, immediately from the text that, that he's been there a while, that this is kind of where he usually hangs out. This is what he's, it's no surprise to the people. That there's this blind beggar. It, it's blind Bar, Bartimaeus, and that, that's what he does, and that's where he hangs out. And, and so the, this vivid picture, Jesus entering Jericho, and there's this blind man, and he's begging. So I want you to picture that in your head, and let's just see what kind of picture you get of, of blind Bartimaeus right outside the, the gate, the entrance to Jericho. What does he look like in your mind's eye? I want you to get a picture. And so I know for me, you know, blind Bartimaeus does not look like Denzel, Book of Eli, blind, okay? He's not like ready to conquer the world blind, can't even tell he's blind until the very end when he's reading the Bible in Braille. Not that kind of blind, okay? Blind Bartimaeus, you get the picture, he's a beggar. So he, he, he's like this kind of homeless looking, dusty, the roads were dusty back then, dirty, probably got nowhere to, to clean himself, no real ability to care for his hygiene. He's just probably caked with mud, dust, hair's got to be disheveled. He's probably holding one of those little cups that he's hoping somebody will be kind enough to drop off a coin in. Probably that clink in his cup is about the only thing he hangs on to. That's what he hopes in every day is one more clink. Blind Bartimaeus, sitting by the roadside, begging. And hearing a crowd, by the way, we know from Mark, it's a great crowd. We know from the context in Luke, this crowd is probably north of a thousand people. Okay? It's at least several hundred, but it's probably over a thousand people. And, and so there's this enormous crowd. So blind Bartimaeus hangs out every day, roadside, hoping for some passerby to be kind and give him a clink in his cup. He's a beggar. And now if you're blind, I can imagine your hearing would be pretty acute. Like you probably hear pretty well. Your other senses probably develop to compensate for the fact that you can't see. And blind Bartimaeus hears this crowd. And blind Bartimaeus can probably hear a crowd and tell you about how many people are in it. Because that's what he does. He listens. He hears. He understands much from what he's hearing. And he heard a crowd that was so great that it says in our text, he inquired what this meant. Like, it's not just a normal crowd. It's not just a big group coming into the city, maybe for, for market or for trade. Like, there's a huge, unbelievably large crowd, like thousands of people. And it's not a holiday. It's not, you know, feast. It's not, there, there's nothing that would explain this. So we got blind Bartimaeus out there begging in this just enormous crowd, the hustle and bustle of what he knows in his mind must be thousands. And it's somewhat out of place. And so he's asking the question, hey, what's going on? And they told him, so somebody, somebody answers him as he's inquiring, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. 
I want to tell you all, uh, we, we just kind of get used to reading the story about, I mean, the whole book's about Jesus and so forth. But man, to be, bar, to be a blind beggar on the side of the road next to Jericho and to be told Jesus of Nazareth is passing by, uh, I really tried this morning to come up with how can I compare that, and I, I really can't. I can't, I can't get a celebrity that's powerful enough of an image to evoke the emotion in us that would have evoked for blind Bartimaeus to know that Jesus of Nazareth was coming by, especially in his present condition. So, so maybe if you had pulled up this morning and there's just an entourage of like black limousines and, and you know, uh, big muscle cars and you saw this like, man, the, the, the secret service is clearly here and there's bodyguards at every entrance and just all, con- I mean, you're looking at, it looks like an army guarding, guarding this place and you're going, hey, what's happening? This isn't normal because that's kind of what he's doing. And somebody says, hey, um, the president is here to worship this morning with us. Like, however you would feel in that moment, like, wait, what? President of what? The bank or, like, wait, what kind of president? No, the president of, like, the country. President Obama's here? And by the way, Jesus of Nazareth has that kind of what? And he's that polarizing. Like, in that culture, people love him, people hate him. He's He's the most polarizing celebrity figure possible, but there's no one no more powerful name that could be spoken to Bartimaeus in explanation of his question, what's going on, than Jesus of Nazareth. Because this guy claims to be God. And by the way, he's got a following of others that claim to be God. By the way, there's thousands of people pressing into him because they're at least curious that he might be God. And they want to touch him and they want to hear from him and they want to see him. And then there's the spiritual leadership of the day saying that he's demon-possessed. They're trying to kill him. And they got a bunch of followers, and they're trying to kill him. Tell you, this is a polarizing figure, and Bartimaeus also knows, love him or hate him, he's healing people. Like, I've heard countless stories that Jesus of Nazareth can heal. So blind Bartimaeus, sitting by the roadside, shaking his cup. It's another day, a hopeless day of being physically blind in a culture that kicks dust on you on the way by. And there's a great crowd, and he says, what is it about? And somebody said, Jesus of Nazareth passing by. I want to tell you, I I, I don't know exactly what went on in the mind and heart of Bartimaeus, but I I, I know for, for the first day of his life, he probably experienced like true hope. Like if what I've heard is true about Jesus of Nazareth, whether he's the Messiah or just some compassionate rabbi, this could be my day. Like they say he gives sight to the blind. That's me. Like Bartimaeus must just, the the blood must have started pumping and the hope must have started rising. He must have been like, wait, say it again. Who did you you say? Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus of Nazareth. And the word was he was passing by. Now Bartimaeus can't see. He can't see where Jesus is. He just knows enormous crowd passing, and Jesus of Nazareth is in the crowd. This is his one chance. One chance. And so he cried out. And the words he cried are, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I love his prayer so much. (laughs) I love it for two reasons. 
he, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't hold his cards close to the vest right there. When he said Jesus, son of David, he spoke out courageously his faith in Jesus as the son of God. To say son of David was to mean you are the Messiah who has the right to the Davidic throne of Israel. Like you're the promised one. You're Emmanuel. You're God with us. Look, half the people there want to kill Jesus. And he doesn't know who's who. And he goes ahead and says, son of David, like, I for one, I put my trust in you. And then he says, have mercy on me. I love it. Do you guys remember the, the story that was right before this that we, read, that we read, that JB taught us last week? The rich young ruler. Do you remember how he approached Jesus? He came up to him and he said, uh, remember JB kind of uh, made a play out of it, but, but, but the attitude was, hey, teach, teach, what's up? Hey, uh, how do I inherit the kingdom of God? You know, just buddy, buddy. And Jesus saying, well, what's the law say? And the law says, uh, don't murder and don't lie and don't steal and don't covet and honor your father and mother. And the guy, just such an air of self-righteousness, just so smugly goes, yeah, 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 got all that. Got it, got it, got it. Anything else? You Remember that? Can you just for a moment in your mind contrast that guy with this guy? <laughs> He has, this, this, this ritual, he has no idea of his need. That's what he's asking. He's like, I mean, is there anything else I need to do? Or have I pretty much hit a home run on this deal? No idea of his need. Jesus points out the idolatry in his heart. He walks away sad. The blind beggar, you know what he is intensely aware of? If nothing else, can't see a thing stone blind, intensely aware of his need. By the way, not just his physical need. He said, son of David. He didn't say restore my sight. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. He doesn't think he has any right for Jesus. To, there's nothing he thinks he's done in and of himself that would merit his receiving a miraculous work from the son of God. He just asked for mercy. I don't deserve it. Uh, it's not, it shouldn't be granted to me upon how great of a guy I am. But will you have mercy Bartimaeus is as spiritually bankrupt as he is physically bankrupt. One of the most beautiful and shortest prayers you could ever pray right there. Son of David, I believe you're who you say you are. And I don't deserve a thing, but will you have mercy on me? Now, let me just ask the question. Crowd of a thousand people. They're passing by. You don't know how fast they're going. The dust. Imagine the, I mean, a thousand people, you can't even really hear yourself talk, right? I don't know if any of you guys were at the grindhouse last night. I wasn't, but go Grizz. Um, had to get that in there. Mm. All right. Um, so, but you know if you were there, and, you were, and I've been there before with my sons, and, and I like, sometimes they're talking, I don't even hear them, especially when it gets excited and people are talking, and you're like, wait, are you, wait, what, what? You know, you can't even hear well, this is blind Bartimaeus, a thousand people trampling by, and he's on the side of the road. He probably can't hardly hear himself, but Jesus of Nazareth, celebrity, pastor, rabbi who is compassionate and can heal, one chance, he's blind his whole life as far as we know, one chance. How do you think he delivered his cry? Don't you know he screamed this at the top of his lungs? Can you see him there? Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. By the way, I mean, he can't, he can't see. He doesn't even know where Jesus is. He's just shouting it out like, Jesus, 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And that's his cry. Have mercy on me. This is his only hope. This is his chance. Just, ah, you feel that. In verse 39, and those who were in front, like the people between him and Jesus, wherever Jesus was, they rebuked him. They told him to be silent. Like, shh, Bartimaeus, hush, you old blind beggar, hush, somebody, kick him, shut him up. Rebuked him. Why are they rebuking him? Now, I thought about this, and what if you had one day, and you can pick your celebrity, your, your celebrity of choice, okay? Some of you, that's NASCAR, right? Some of you, that's LeBron, that's basketball. Some of you, that's some movie star, Reese Witherspoon or something, whatever. Celebrity of choice, okay? And your, cele- your favorite celebrity, just, wow, is coming to town. And just by some providential act of kindness of God, they, they've asked you to be the escort. Like, if you, could, if, you could, if you could show that celebrity our city. Like, you're the ambassador of Memphis. And you've, you've got, like, a half a day. Just go show them the city. Just you at one-on-one. So you've got your just ultimate Uber. You're so excited to spend this time. And, and so you're going, man, you're going to show them the FedEx Forum, you know, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna walk down like Beale, and you're going to go up the Peabody and get on the roof and look over the whole city and, and you know, see in a Redbird Stadium. Like, you're so excited. You're going to go down that back alley, get a rendezvous, get some dry rub on those ribs. And, but the problem is every, every block there's some other homeless guy coming up, waving a cup and saying, have mercy on me, help me out over here, and you just can't get these guys out of the way. For you, can't even, you can't even show the guy your town. Now, you may not rebuke one of these beggars, because that seems incredibly cruel and insensitive. But in your heart, you're probably like, God, can we somehow get these guys to leave us alone? They're ruining this for us. You with me? Jesus of Nazareth is coming through your town. And you are all there to see and to hear. And the, the blind beggar sits out there. He's ruining it. He's messing it all up. Shh, somebody get him quiet. <laughs> and watch this. But Bartimaeus, he cried out all the more, Son of David, <laughs> have mercy on me. They rebuke Shh, Son of David. <laughs> he doesn't care. What are they going to do to him? No, he's already blind. He spends his life on the roadside begging. I, I don't think he cares. He's past the point of despair and desperate. If, the, if you want to kick me, if you want to stone me, I don't care. My only hope is the one passing by. I can't see him. I got to shout. And he cries out for the son of David to have mercy. Now, verse 40. And Jesus stopped. Great verse. And commanded him to be brought to him. Like, I don't know how Jesus heard him. A thousand people. I know he's screaming, but there's a lot of, I don't know. Somehow Jesus hears him. And the most amazing thing, like nobody stops for Bartimaeus. Out of every ten passersby, he'd be lucky to get one guy to flip him a coin. But the Son of God stops. And when he stops, he commands him. He doesn't just say, hey, over there, I hear you. Healed. Doesn't just go over and touch him on the arm or the face. Or he, he stops and he commands him to come to him. Now, this is crazy. 
One is crazy because Bartimaeus can't see where he is. He hears a voice and he probably starts stumbling in that direction. And at my hunch is there's this mob and, and, there is, and they're just kind of pushing him in the right direction. Like he's probably right here and, and he's just stumbling and they're pushing him towards Jesus who's commanded him to come. You know what Mark tells us, Mark 10? It says when Jesus commanded him to come forth, it says he sprung to his feet. Like he can't believe, like no one stops for him. And they, wait, and, they, and, and they're rebuking him, but then all of a sudden they're saying, hey, Bartimaeus, he's telling you to come here. What? Like he springs to his feet. It says he throws his cloak on the ground. And he takes off. Blind guy, no idea. Takes off. He's like, where? Where is he? And he stumbles right up to the front, right up to Jesus. And you know, Jesus Christ stopping for the blind man, calling him to himself. Now there's a thousand people, and they go bone dead silent. Everybody's leaning in. Everybody wanting to see. And now what do we expect is going to happen right here? What do you expect? Jesus, he's the most full of compassion figure we've ever seen. I mean, every, everything we've read in this story about Jesus Christ would lend you to believe what's about to happen. He's going to heal him. He stopped. He called the blind man to come to him. He's going to touch him. He's going to heal him. It's going to be a feel-good Mother's Day story. And I want to tell you, this next verse is one of the most puzzling, crazy verses that you'll find, I think, in Scripture. Jesus doesn't immediately heal him. Watch what he does. And when Bartimaeus came near, Jesus asked him, verse 41, what do you want me to do for you? (laughs) What do you want me to do for you? Can you guys believe that? Call him over here. Call the blind man. He stumbles. He's being pushed by drive. He jumps up, so excited. Comes to Jesus. Thousand people. It's all quiet. He gets face to face. And Jesus, he doesn't feel a touch. He doesn't hear you're healed. He hears the Son of God say, What do you want? I hear you screaming. I hear you calling for us. What do you want from me? I read that. I'm like, Come on, Jesus. What do you mean, what do you want? Is that not the most, is it not more obvious what this man wants than any man who has ever approached you? He's stone blind. He's got one eye going that way and the other one that's closed shut and he's a beggar and he's, he's screaming for me and you call him and you say, what do you want me to do? I'm telling you, I read this and it makes me cringe a little bit. Honestly, honestly, the, I read this over and over, and here's, here's what I I go, man, is he shaming him? Like, if, I, if you just give me one take at this, it's like, wow, that was harsh. By the way, doesn't match the character of Jesus at all. But it seems like he's humiliating him. Bring up the blind guy who desperately wants to see who's never seen a day in his life. What do you want from me? Couldn't be more obvious. I bet the crowd was going Wait, what did he just say? Did he just, does he, can he not tell he's blind? I mean, the murmur. But I want to tell you, as I've wrestled with this passage, I I don't think Jesus is shaming Bartimaeus, okay? Take a breath. He's not shaming him. He's He's not calling him forward and asking him what he wants to shame him or to humiliate him. 
Matter of fact, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced, and this is why I, this is one of my favorite eight verses in the entire Bible because, because of why I think Jesus asks Bartimaeus that question. And the question is, Bartimaeus, blind man, you're standing in front of me, you've been on the road, say no telling what's gone through your mind, no telling what's gone on in your life, no telling how you even became blind or if that's been a lifetime condition and you've called out for mercy and here you are before me and Jesus Christ says to him, what do you want from me? Like he pauses his journey to go carry his cross in Jerusalem to encounter a blind beggar. He could have so easily touched him, healed him and dismissed him. He doesn't do it. He stops and he asks, what do you want from me? And I think when he asks him that question, he is giving Bartimaeus an unbelievable gift. By the way, I think he's giving him a gift that's even greater than the ability to see. And I'm not minimizing how significant it would be to be blind your whole life and all of a sudden to have sight. I am not minimizing that one iota. And yet I believe that in asking him this question, Jesus extends to him an even greater gift. He says, Bartimaeus, it's just me and you now. You're not screaming past a thousand people. There's no dust anymore. It's, and look, I'm right here. You can, you can reach out and touch me. It's me and it's you and it's just us. I'm only talking to you. And I want to know what's going on inside of you. What are the deep longings of your heart? Bartimaeus, what, what, what's your need? What's your need of me? Bartimaeus, what's behind that? I heard your plea. What's behind it? Talk to me, Bartimaeus. Me and you. You tell me, Bartimaeus. You tell me what's on the inside. You bring it out and give it to me. You know what Jesus did? Could have healed him. Would have made Bartimaeus' day. People would have understood. But he stopped because he wanted to have a relationship with him. Do you guys see it? He stopped so he could get face to face and ask Bartimaeus to reveal the deepest longings and desires and needs of his heart and just, just put them vulnerably, transparently, awkwardly, just, just put them out there for the whole world to see. But it's going to be me and you. And you got to trust me with you. Bartimaeus, you willing to tell me? Are you willing to expose the deepest longings of your heart right here with me? You don't know what you're going to get back. Are you willing to have faith that I'm going to hear what's inside of you and I'm not going to run? I'm not going to laugh at you like all these people. I'm not going to kick you and tell you to go back to begging. You got to trust that when you share what's on the inside of you with me, I'm going to stay with you. And by the way, you don't know if I'm going to heal you or not. You don't know if you're going to get from me what you want to get from me, but you've got to be willing to believe that I'm not going anywhere, that I'll be here with you and that you'll have me, and that's enough. I want to tell you something. Because this is what Jesus did with Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus' story for all time will never be I was healed by Jesus of Nazareth. 
Somebody give the man a microphone. Stand him up. Let him share his testimony. Healed by, he walked by, he touched me, I was healed. Yep, he healed even me. His story will not be merely that he was healed by Jesus of Nazareth. Bartimaeus' story from this point forward will be this. I was known by Jesus of Nazareth. Like he stopped in his tracks. He called me, me, even me. He called me to come to him and he invited me to share with him the deepest longings of my heart. He wanted to know me. Even me. I want you to see what happens. What do you want me to do, he said. Well, here's Bartimaeus standing face to face, a thousand people around. Oh, my goodness. And by the way, I just want to say this. When they said, hey, Bartimaeus, he's calling you to come up and stand next to him, Bartimaeus, that hope, whatever the hope barometer was, man, that thing was red light. And I mean, it was like, woo, like, this is it. This is my chance. Bartimaeus threw that cloak. He is trying his, but get me to, like, he, what does Bartimaeus think is about to happen? He's about to get healed. But he gets there, and Jesus says, what do you want? What do you think the hope meter does right there? I think all of a sudden it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, hold, hold on a second. Did you not bring me out here to heal me? Are we not on the same page with that? Like, he's probably as shocked as the crowd is. He's going, what, what, do, what do I want? Like, do, do I need to say it? Are, we, is this, are you just doing this to mock me? I bet his fear went through the roof. I bet that unbelievable excitement I'm about to see went to, oh my goodness, maybe I'm not about to see. Like maybe all hope was just lost. And, uh, you know, what if I share with this guy? And what if they just laugh? Like I'm a spectacle. Or what if I share and he can't? I'm like, I know he healed others, but maybe he can't do it on call. Or here's the worst. What if I share with him? And what if he can heal me, but what if he won't? What hope do I have? If Jesus, son of Nazareth, won't heal me, and boy, the, the, the moment of him asking, and do I, even, do I even put voice to this? Do I even put voice to my heart, to what's inside, and do I really give it to him? I mean, the fear, the courage it would take in front of a thousand people for him to express that desire that he has no idea if Jesus is going to meet it. And so how do you think he brings his request to Jesus? I bet it's a stammering whisper. Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? I bet he said, Lord, let let me recover my sight. Like, I want to see. Like, that's what I want, Lord. God, I just want to see. I've never seen before. I want to see what you look like. I want to see what this city looks like. I want to see this world. I want to see. That's what I want. I want to see. And he takes the raw years of despair and hurt and heartache and wounds and subjection to all kind of mocking and hunger and emotional exhaustion. He takes it all and he just puts it out there with Jesus. And now it's out there. Now it's out there. 
And Jesus, it says, said to him, recover your sight. Watch this. Your faith. Your faith. Your willingness to trust me with you. Your willingness to bear your soul, to come to me with your deepest longings, cravings, desires, hurt, shame, loneliness, sin, fear, guilt, and you put it on the table. And Bartimaeus, it's healed you. Your faith has healed you. And I want you to see this is the coolest thing. Immediately he recovered his sight, like Bartimaeus comes out, and I love this, and ran back into the city to tell everybody that had always made fun of him that now he could see too. Is that what your Bible says? I must have an awkward translation there. Let me see. No, that's not what he did. Immediately he recovered his sight and he followed Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Like he didn't have to. Jesus didn't even say follow me. She said your faith made you well. Bartimaeus, in light of the healing relationship that he just formed with Jesus, his all-consuming desire is now to be with Jesus. It's now to follow you. But Jesus is going to carry his cross. Bartimaeus, you may want to hang out in Jericho. No way. No way. I'm going with him. I'd like to say, I bet if Jesus had just walked by, seen him from afar, and said, over there, the, the one holding the cup, he's healed. I bet Bartimaeus would have just rejoiced, gained his sight. Hope would have been, I mean, overwhelming. I mean, wow, but, you know, a couple years later, at some point, he would have had more problems to deal with. His eyes might have even gone bad eventually as he got older. I mean, just probably, you know. But Jesus called him and said, you and I, what do you want from me? Jesus invited a relationship, and Bartimaeus can't go back to who he was. He has to follow Christ. Like, he's compelled, and he follows Christ and glorifies God. Like, that's what his life's now about. Like, he's had a personal encounter with Jesus. Like, he has a real relationship with Jesus, and so now his life is marked by following Jesus and glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Now, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I, I, uh, oh, I love this story. I love it. I stare at that thing. I stare at the text forever going, I can't believe he just asked him that question. Until the lights come on to be like, wow, he's giving him so much more than his sight. He's giving him a bona fide, real, one-on-one, personal, authentic, transparent relationship with the son of David, with the son of God. That listen, gang, and again, I do not minimize the ability to see one bit, but if, Bar- if Jesus had not healed him, and I'm glad he did, way better on Mother's Day that he gets his sight, but listen, if he had not healed the man, if Bartimaeus had said to him, I just want to see, and Jesus had gone, and Jesus had wept with him and said, oh, I know. Bartimaeus, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> I don't know if it would have made the text at that point. I don't know if we'd have that in canon here. But I want to tell you something. If he had done that, Bartimaeus would have received a gift that day even greater than his sight, even if he had not healed him. He would be personally known by the Savior of the world. 
understood in his deepest longings, and get this, accepted right there, loved right there. That's our biggest fear, to be fully known and still loved, and he'd have it. Not just from you or me, from God. And he would have on the side of the road that day, even in his physical blindness, he'd have more life than the crowd of a thousand who had their sight, but no real relationship with the Son of Man. Y'all with me? Jesus gives him not only his sight, praise God, but he gives him a greater gift, a hope that will never perish. And I pulled a few takeaways, and I just want to end our time giving you these takeaways that for me are kind of like, these are kind of north stars of our faith, okay? These, these are the rock bed. These are the foundation of the truth about what it means to know Christ and be known by Christ. And I pulled everyone right out of this text. The first is Jesus cares more about having relationships with us or having a relationship with us than simply fixing our problems. I want you to just think about that. that again, he cared more. He could have easily healed Bartimaeus without stopping his agenda. He had a lot on his mind, okay? He's being crucified in less than a week. But he cared about relationship more deeply than, than, fixing Bar, than healing Bartimaeus' sight. Then, and, and by the way, you know what? I'm so glad. I'm so glad that G, and, and, and when I first saw him ask that question, what do you want? I thought, that's almost cruel. But now I step back and I go, I'm so thankful he asked that question. Because without that question, there's no real relationship. Then Bartimaeus only has his sight. I'm so thankful that he didn't just physically heal Bartimaeus. And you know what? I'm thankful that he doesn't just fix all my problems. That he's not like some cosmic servant, some cosmic band-aid that, that keeps my life on track to the level of my comfort and security. I'm so glad that's not our God. That he is our refuge. He is the one that in the midst of our despair, we run to him and we find in him our hiding place. That we literally take refuge in him and he's our rock and redeemer. He's not our cosmic genie here to serve all of our wishes and make everything okay. But he's there to love us and embrace us in our need and have a real relationship that Philippians 4 says brings even peace that passes understanding. If that's true, then whether Bartimaeus got his sight or not, he got peace. Most of the thousand right there they didn't have peace, I guarantee you. That's why they're huddling so close to Jesus. They're looking for something they don't have. I want to tell you this. A lot of people here today, that's the fleeting thing that you can't get you. I just can't get peace. I don't have peace in this life. I've been with men and women on their deathbed. That, that I've, I had a great uncle grab me by my collar and said, I don't have peace. You think he'd have traded a sight for it? Bartimaeus that day found peace. Because Jesus cares more about relationship than fixing our problems. Let me tell you what else I see in the text. He cares more about having relationship with us than what we can do for him. Did you notice that? No thought of what Bartimaeus has to, there's no part of Bartimaeus' life that merited him this favor from Jesus. And there's no expectation of what he's going to do going forward. You know, Isaiah 64, 6, it, it, the verse seems a little weird, but the verse says that even our good deeds are like filthy rags. And we're like, hey, I'm trying hard down here. What do you mean? But the truth of it is, even our good deeds and the motives behind them, whatever they may be, are fall so fall short of the righteousness of God, they're like filthy rags. 
in light of the glory and wonder of a God who is righteous. Now flip that with Psalm 51, 17 that says this, a broken and contrite heart I will not despise. Listen, good deeds are like, your, our good deeds are like filthy rags. A broken and contrite heart he will not despise. Think about that. What does Jesus most want from you? Your good deeds? Your broken heart. Did you hear it? Now that's not to say Jesus is uninterested in our obedience, but here's the truth. Listen carefully. If you're down here just trying to please him, just going through the motions, uh, look, I've got children now, I've got four boys. I appreciate it when they obey, but, if, but, but, but I don't love them any more when they obey, and I don't love them any less when they do stupid. I don't. No matter what they're doing, when they're doing the most disobedient, ridiculous things ever, and when they're doing the most loving, unbelievable, God-inspired things ever, my love is constant. It never changes. They don't have to earn it with their good deeds. But listen to how this works. You bring God a broken heart. Bartimaeus, tell me what's wrong with you. All right, God, here's my, dis- I despair in this. I'm sinful to the core right here. I can't even believe this about myself, God, but it's true, so I'm gonna admit it to you. And you bring your broken heart. Here's what happens. He brings himself to you. You now have authentic relationship with God. An authentic relationship with God is so good. His grace is so overwhelming that we could be fully known and yet still loved that, you know what? My desire is now to be with you. My desire is now to follow you. My desire is now to honor you. My desire is to obey you. My desire is to worship you. He gets your obedience out of devotion, not out of rote religion. He desires you and your brokenness. Look at number three. There is more satisfaction, more joy in Christ than in what he can do for us. More satisfaction, and, and so the key word there is in. There's more satisfaction in Christ than in what he can do for us. And so the idea is, Bartimaeus, yes, he got his sight, but if we could put him on the stage right now, and one day, make a note. Make a note on your outline that says, ask this to Bartimaeus in heaven, okay? Find him. One day, we're going to see Bartimaeus again. He's in glory with Jesus right now. You know why he's in glory with Jesus right now? You know why he is in the presence of Christ right now? It's not because he received his sight that day. It's because he formed a relationship with Christ that day. By his faith, he was healed, not just physically. He was spiritually healed. Because he brought forth the, the, the spiritual bankruptcy cry for mercy and put it in front of Jesus. And Jesus responded by loving him and receiving him and accepting him and healing him. Listen, if you're not smelling what I'm stepping in at this point, let me come right through the front door and say, we're just like Bartimaeus. The only difference between him and us is that many of us don't have the courage to cry out to what he already knows about us, but to tell him it's true and to search for him in the midst of our despair. And when you search for him in your despair, you will find him, and when you find him, you'll find life. So number four is this. The entry point of a real relationship with Jesus is telling him the truth about your need. You say, well, doesn't he already know? Yes, he already knew. He already knew Bartimaeus was blind. He already knew Bartimaeus wanted to be. Trust me, Jesus was not oblivious to the circumstances. He knew Bartimaeus wanted to be healed. And yet he still said, Bartimaeus, what do you want? 
because he was more interested in the relationship. The relationship is formed when you say what's on the inside, on the outside. You know why I don't have a, a real, authentic relationship with most of you guys? By the way, I'd love to have more of an authentic relationship with more of you. It'd be impossible to have that with all of you. But you know what? The, the truth is, we pass each other by and we say things like, how you doing? And you know, if I said, how you doing to nine out, nine out of 10, you would say, great. Like, really? Like 90% of us are just doing great? What are you up to? Nothing. We just got a bunch of folks who are great and doing nothing. No, that's not true. That's not true, is it? Now, I'm not saying we're maliciously deceiving one another, but that's just culture. That's just church speak, street speak. That's just what we do. But we don't really know each other until, watch this, until you sit down and you say, man, let me share with you what's going on in here. And, and, and when you do that, you give somebody a gift and you let them into these places on your heart. You become vulnerable. You become known. And we're so scared. If you knew me, you'd leave. Like, I'm petrified of that. If you guys really knew me, would you actually go to church here? Like, if I peeled things back, it's not Superman in there. All right? I'm going to cover it back up fast. It, it, gets, it gets dark in there sometimes. And I want to tell you, there's no one who better knows what's really inside of me than my wife. Now, I'll tell you something about Catherine that I love. Catherine, over the course of let me tell you why I love her so relentlessly, because she knows the truth about me. Second only to the Lord, she knows. And by the way, over time, I have borne to her all of the dark places in my life, all of the wounds from the past, all of the truth about me. It's come out, not all at once. No one could have handled that. But it's come out over time, and you know what she's done? She's cried with me. She's sat with me for hours. She's prayed over me. But you know what she hadn't done? She's never left me. She's seen all kind of hell, and she hadn't gone anywhere. And her posture is as if to say, that's hard, that hurts, that's sad, that's all kind of stuff, but I am with you. And you want to know what the response from me is? <sighs> if you're not going anywhere, I ain't going anywhere either. She stays with me, I want to tell you, my heart explodes with love towards her. Because she really knows, and she's still there. And I want to tell you, she knows me second only to the Lord Jesus. And can I tell you something about Jesus? He knows, and he's not going anywhere either. There's nothing you could share with him that would come as some revolutionary shock that he says, well, in that case, the atonement is no longer sufficient for you. There's nothing you could share but you got to be willing to bring yourself to him to receive by grace through faith a relationship, an all-satisfying, eternally saving relationship with Christ. And he invites it. He put it on the table. What do you want from me? All is good, Lord. Everything's good. Would you bless the food? I could use you to bless this meal. I need a raise. Could you give me a little bonus? Can't really figure my kids out. Can you give me a little more discernment? 
That's not all that's there. We do God like we do each other. The invitation is for the real deal. Tell me what's inside and you'll get me. You'll get all of me. And it'll so consume you that you will be a new creation in me. You know what your desire will be if that happens? This last one. When you have that with Jesus, your desire is to follow him. Let me just say this in closing. If we're honest, you don't have, you can, you don't have to tell me a thing. But don't pretend with yourself. If the honest truth is, you don't really desire to follow. Like there's no just passion. Like I can't wait to follow Jesus. If you don't really feel that, you're fine to come to church. My wife wanted me to. It's Mother's Day. Um, or, you know, I, I like going to church. It's uplifting because the rest of my week at work and, you know, I got to hit the gym and I got you know, a lot of NBA playoffs to watch and there's just a lot going on. But if you don't have this consuming passion to follow, and by the way, just be honest with you, nobody else, just you. If you go, you know, no, I wouldn't really say I'm like just passionately desiring to follow Jesus. Then I would look under the hood of your life and here's what I would find. There's only a shallow relationship or no relationship at all with him. You know about him, of course he knows about you, but there's not really this thing that has happened where you have put it on a table and come in your desperate need for mercy and been met by his presence. Because if that's happened, you will have in you the desire Bartimaeus had in him. I'm with Jesus. He is mine, I am his. I'm going with Jesus. I got no other desire but him. I'd love to close our time. Russell's just gonna play a few notes here and uh, a few chords. And um, I'd love you to hear the question that Bartimaeus heard, not from me, if somehow you could hear this from Jesus Christ. And I'd love you to just take take two minutes. If you want to kneel by your chair, you're welcome to. Some wanted to do that in the first service. That's uh, wonderful. Um, really no rules on this. I just want you to hear this from Jesus. I want you to hear the son of David say to you, front and center, one-on-one, you and he, what do you want from me? Is it just sprinkle a little blessing on your life? So be it. That's what you want, that's what you get. Or is there something more? What's inside of you? What is the desperate cry of your heart on this day? Where are you? Where are you? What do you want from me? Bring that to the Lord.